0: It's Mackie here, and during these uncertain times, your team at Federated Mutual Insurance Company has kept a strategic focus on policyholder service. They've been directing clients throughout the country to the information they need on written pandemic policies and procedures, recommended response plans, and communications to employees. If these resources could help your business, please contact your local Federated Marketing representative or visit FederatedInsurance.com. As a mutual insurance company, Federated believes their value is measured by the success of their clients. Federated, it's their business to protect yours. All right, welcome to the Score North Twin show. Uh, I'm Jake DePew, joined by a special guest, Julian McWilliams. Uh, Julian is uh, a beat writer for the Red Sox. Uh, he works for the Boston Globe. Uh, before that, uh, he worked uh, as a beat writer for the Athletic, uh, covering the Oakland A's. So, Julian, how's it going today?
1: Going well, man. Trying to staying inside and following, following orders just trying to figure out stuff i'm trying to catch up. i'm getting netflixed out though man I don't, I don't know what else to do
0: oh yeah <laughs> I, oh man i've watched so much netflix in the past month it's it's ridiculous um yeah yeah so julian and i both live in in boston and we're both uh pretty much on lockdown here that you, you really aren't supposed to go out anywhere except the grocery store uh pharmacy things like that i know it's similar in in minnesota um, but I want to talk uh, about a couple of different topics with you, um, starting with, obviously, coronavirus and its impact on Major League Baseball. So um, if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously know, uh, you know, what's going on with baseball and and some of their, their plans to potentially restart the season. So right now, there have been two plans uh, that have been reported. Um, one is restarting the season sometime in May or June, potentially in Arizona, uh, where players would basically be in like a quarantine bubble um, and and play games at spring training facilities in Chase Field in Arizona uh, in front of no fans. Uh, There's a second plan that's been reported that's similar uh, that would break um, teams up into uh, leagues in Florida and Arizona, basically aligning with their um, spring training uh, leagues, the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League. So um, I guess my first question for you is just what is your opinion on the feasibility of you know, quarantining players in this way and and conducting a season or at least starting a season um, where you know players are isolated in hotels and they basically can only travel from you know their hotel to the field uh, and not really have any contact with the outside world. Do you see this as as something that that MLB can actually pull off? And then a follow up question would be: Do you think there's enough player support to to do this?
1: I th- I think if if you have like doctors and everybody else saying that, like, it's okay to go, to, to go back and play baseball. I think that it's certainly something that MLB probably could pull off, but I think the larger question is if players would be on board with it. Um, And I have a tough time seeing that. Like you're talking about 1500, not just players, but staff members um, quarantined and isolated from their, from their parents, loved ones, um, uh, wives, daughters, husbands. And I mean, um uh, wives, you know it's it's just it's just so many moving parts to this, you know, it, it that it's it's just kind of hard to to see that as feasible. You know, you, you heard Mike Trout come out today and talk about like, you know, his daughter's due in August. So he's not gonna miss the birth of his daughter. So is he allowed is if is he allowed to even come back? Is he quarantined for two weeks when he comes back? What does that look like? Um I spoke to another player who said, Yeah, okay, like you have us in these these areas, but like You're not stopping fans from from possibly driving to Arizona if they can't fly and trying to see if they can get a snapshot of of of, of their best player. And when the world calls for us to stay at home and the worst thing that you could possibly do is move to another go to another state and possibly infect someone else. If you're if you've been quarantined or been been in, like, say, I don't know, Los Angeles for X amount of time and you come to Arizona where it's like the numbers are lower, it's a little bit tougher. And also, you, you, if you read, it says that the numbers of people that, that are infected in Arizona is lower, but it's supposed to peak in May. Um, MLB had sites to come back in May. So it's like they're, it, they're trying to hit a moving target right now. Um, and you, obviously, I think they're probably skip along ideas more than having things set in stone. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to be really, really tough to do, considering that these people that play the game have families also.
0: Yeah. So, what is your sense among among the players you talked to? Obviously, there is a diversity of opinions, but um, just among the players that that you've spoken with, do you feel like they're generally not on board with the current plan? At least, you know how it's been reported that that they would need to see changes before they were willing to uh, to you know put, you know put themselves in this type of situation. Yeah, I think they still think it's like still in, in it's in it's
1: um in it's like pre pubescent phase where it's like it's not necessarily something that's like set in stone. But I, I do think that they think they're looking at it like, yeah, like that's not going to happen. Like, I think I, I saw Brett Anderson tweet out and he's, he's pretty funny on Twitter. Um, like, uh, uh, like he highlighted part, part of Jeff Patton's story where, where it said like, you wouldn't be able to see his family four and a half months. It's like, yeah. And this is where it like, and this is where it all stops. Like, right. this is, <laughs> you know, so I think players know that like, you know, some like We talked about earlier. Some are in different situations where maybe $500,000 means a lot to them. But if you're a, 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 even a Brett Anderson who's made, you know, 50 plus million dollars, what's it worth not to see your family for four and a half months? I don't. I mean, I, I don't know. So um, you're looking at a situation now where it's 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 kind of. It, it, I think baseball is kind of in desperation mode, and um, they don't know. I think this is more of a sign of they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know when we'll be back. When they don't know when the writers will be able to write about the team. They don't know, you know, there'll be fans in even 2021. Like, how does it, what does that look like? What does social distancing look like in the, in, when you have players licking their hands and giving each other five after a, after a, you know, a, a home run or, or, or a good play or, you know, players even colliding the outfield. like what does social distancing look like when the players get back? One of the players said like, yeah, so we have to keep a six foot distance in the stands, like from the other pitcher, like, that, and he's kind of making fun of that. And it's just like a lot of ideas out there that we've seen just, I don't think are, 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 are feasible from a human standpoint, you know, just yeah. the way that we interact on a daily basis. Cause this is going to certainly take some time, like just getting used to the new normal of not necessarily being as close to each other as we are. Cause like, it's going to be completely different when we come back and, 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 and we have some sense of normalcy back in the, uh, in our country and in the world.
0: Yeah. And you alluded to Brett Anderson, who's made you know enough money to be financially secure for the rest of his life. And I think this this whole situation is setting up a class system in MLB where you have guys who are on minimum contracts or maybe have just started arbitration uh, who have a lot more motivation to play than somebody like Mike Trout or Brett Anderson or whoever, you know, that's made millions of dollars. It's it's like nobody wants to risk their health, but you can understand why, you know, a quad A guy uh, like J. Cave, just to use an example mm-hmm. from the Twins, somebody like that, or Randy Domnick would have much more motivation to to risk their health to do this because they haven't made any money yet, or haven't made enough money yet to to be secure. And losing a whole season um, is huge for them, right? Whereas right. You know, Bryce Harper or Mike Trout, you know, they can lose a season and it's not going to affect uh, you know where they're at financially. And so I think that's another issue that the players' union is going to have to to figure out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, I think it's just, it's going, it's like, like I said, man, it's like so many moving parts. There's just so many people being affected from like, you know, part-time workers to um, people, people that, you know, ground crew people, like all the, all the people at the ground level um, are being affected more than others. And you can include like, I guess, like you said, a Jake Cave in that situation, or even, even, maybe even like a a Raphael Devers, you know, who's, Who, yeah. uh, that that that's 600 grand that he's making or whatever like that means a lot in that in this situation so the, the players like the david prices of the world or brett anderson's there they'll be fine but it's necess- it's the players that sort of like the are are pre-arbitration arbitration eligible um or just
0: pre-arbitration um that, that are being affected the most so if this if this were to happen. Um, if the the union and, and Major League Baseball were to come to some sort of agreement on a quarantine system, uh, is that something that that you would cover? And and do you have concerns about um, your ability to to get access to players? Because if you, I'm sure you remember, just before they uh, shut down all the spring training, they kicked reporters out of the the clubhouse. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what do you... Obviously, you you don't know what any of this would look like, but what do you anticipate in terms of your ability to do your job in some sort of quarantine situation? That's a good question. I think, like, it's going to be certainly different.
1: I mean, I don't think that we're going to be allowed in clubhouses. Um, I don't think that we're going to be... It's going to be, like, the six... It's going to be... We're going to be covering the team, but we won't necessarily be covering the team. I mean, clubhouse access is so important. Oh, yeah. That's that's where you get the guys and, like, you know, relax. They be if they want you in there or not. Like it's it's. We tried the the whole like come out type thing. Come out to the to the you know, uh, uh, come outside to where we were and, and one by one. But like players aren't going to come out like that. Like we had like two players, and both of the players weren't on the Red Sox last year. Kevin Pillar and Jonathan Lucroy. Uh, when they implemented that uh, that we couldn't go inside the clubhouse. So I think that it's probably going to affect it to a point in terms of stuff of like what I can get. Um, What I can, you know, be out there and uh, um, What what, what type of stories I can write that sort of like the inside look of like the clubhouse type stories Those type of stories are important doesn't the the fans won't have that type of access But at the same time you have to recognize too that um, Everybody's not living. Everybody's living in this like different times, right? Everybody's working under non-ideal circumstances you heard like lebron james come out and say i don't want to play not in front of fans like that's what i played for before right. he knew like the circumstances of like what was taken of what this virus actually was so like players aren't going to play in front of fans for probably the first time since probably i don't know maybe even literally i can't remember the last time yeah. not one person was there watching my game you know yeah. so yeah. And, they, and these are guys getting paid millions and millions of dollars so and you you feed off the fans especially at fenway at yankee stadium at you know uh, out in Minnesota, every week like, you f- you feed off that type of crowd, that type of energy. So they're they're not going to have that sort of like that that sixth man, I guess, to uh, or you know that tenth man in in the uh, in the stadium where it's where that that can give them that extra juice. So they're going to have to find where they can where they can get that you know from. A Red Sox a Red Sox uh, Yankees rivalry won't be a Red Sox Yankees rivalry in grape in the Grapefruit League. It just won't oh. like oh. so. We're all playing under different circumstances. My concern though is that like you know, at the at each CBA, like they bring up the fact of 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 possibly trying to ban reporters from the clubhouse. My concern is that it like they're like, Oh well this 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 works, we're gonna keep it this way. You know, what I mean it will pass this when when we get to a point where we can go back in the clubhouse and fans are allowed at the stadium. That's my main concern is like they're thinking like, okay, well, well, you guys did it this way and it, it proved effective, so we're gonna just keep it. You know, you guys out the clubhouse because, you know, PR staff don't want us there. Teams don't want teams don't want us there. Players don't want us there. So, but it, it makes your job more effective and it brings in, and it makes you like the conduit between you and the readers. So, um, I think it's gonna be interesting. But my 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 it, I know will affect my coverage, but I rather that than anything than not doing anything at all and sitting here at my house and. Yeah you know uh, all day but you know i i want i want to be still be able to feel some sense of normalcy back and i'll feel feel good if that happens and if it doesn't you know um you know the the, the primary thing here is is, is, stay, is us staying safe so you can't really be against that even though the even though it's something that you um sort of now i feel like i'm in dire need for it in terms of just my mental stability to oh, yeah. to stay
0: sane here so
2: yeah, yeah
0: absolutely that's something that i think everybody's dealing with um it just, you know, being being locked up, not having any sports for people like us is uh, it's, a, it's a tough pill to swallow. But it's obviously what we have to do right now. Um, all right. I want to I don't want to talk about coronavirus the, the, the whole podcast, because I think um, people probably just want to hear some baseball talk. So um, yeah. going into this season before all this uh, stuff happened, the, the Twins were, I think, you know, right up there, uh, and, you know, maybe the, one of the top five or so teams in the league. I think they were a legitimate World Series contender, and they were certainly um, you know, building their roster to, to compete and, and try to make a run in the playoffs this year. Um, so we're in a bubble, obviously, in, in Minnesota in terms of how we talk about the Twins and um, how the Twins are covered. But from a national perspective, you know, you work for, for the Boston Globe. What, how did how, how did you see this 2020 Twins team, and, and what do you think it was the national perception um, of that team heading into spring training? That lineup is steep, man. I mean, you go from, like... Uh,
1: uh, and I think adding Josh Donaldson to that mix is like, and being able to, to shift Sano to either the DH spot or, or first base, I think that's huge. Uh, you go Sano, Cruz, um, uh, Donaldson, uh, uh, uh even Palanca. Buxton whenever, uh, Polanco Buxton, when he comes, is Buxton healthy? Is yeah.
0: That, so is he Bu- back healthy again? Yeah. So Buxton, he, he didn't play in the spring training game, but the thought yeah. was that he was probably going to be ready for opening day, uh, and now, obviously, whenever the season starts, he, he should be fully healthy. Yeah, And, and, the, and, and
1: the second baseman, too, I, he, that's, that's like my favorite player to watch. That's rice yes. Oh, my gosh. Like, just, just the way he doesn't give away at bats, the way he takes pitches, the way he controls the strike zone, I mean, he brings so much balance to that lineup, because that's a power-hitting lineup, right? And I think... He's a guy that has some power, but he, you see him—he lives line to line. Like he goes, he go left field, and goes, and he can turn on the ball. He can go up the middle. So, this is a guy that I, I I enjoy watching him hit. I remember I saw him at Fenway, and um and I was like, and this was like before I even really knew who he was. And I turned to um uh, the MLB dot beat writer Doe, and I'm like, yeah, you know, who who is this kid? And cause he cause cause he was just killing them, and it wasn't necessarily like killing them like in a sense of like hitting homers, it was just the way in which he was controlling the strike zone, the way in which he takes pitches, and the way he just lays off of stuff and like shakes his head, no, 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 yep. every time like when a pitch goes by. So it's like, that's a guy that I really enjoy watching hit. I think he brings great balance to that lineup. I think they improve their pitching staff. I mean, I know they've had issues playing, playing against the Yankees uh, uh, over the years and haven't been able to get over that hump, but if you see that team in a five-game series with that lineup, like, I think CC Sabathia said it like that, like he was scared of, like he was like, they, they were scared to face his twins because, you know, they didn't know what could happen. But if you look at that situation now where they had Donaldson um, and all those other guys, I think, and you, you beat up the pitching staff and it's and and now you're a rocker ball, De- second year and he has some familiarity with these guys. That's a team. I think to beat, specifically coming out of the, uh, the
0: central. Yeah, absolutely. And, Luis Arise, he's my favorite player on the team to to watch. He he had an at-bat, I think it was in August. um, He had been up for a couple of months. Uh, Jonathan Scope got injured in the middle of his at-bat. It was an 0-2 count. It was the bottom of the ninth. Twins were down, I think, by one or two runs. Scope got injured, um, and Arise had to replace him in an 0-2 count, and he was facing Edwin Diaz. He was obviously throwing 100. He came in, uh, fouled off. Eight, nine, ten pitches, and eventually drew a walk from an 0-2 count. You know, wow. hadn't warmed up. You know, no warm, no warm up at all. It was just sitting in the dugout all game. Came in and drew a walk uh, against Diaz, and it was it was the single. You, you should, I'm sure it's on YouTube. You should look, look at up, up. It was the single best at bat I've, I've ever seen. So I totally agree with you. He's he's amazing to to watch hit, but but know, yeah, I mean, there's no question. This team, especially in the Central, like you said, I think they would have run away with with the Central. Um, and, and now they have the pitching, you know, signing Rich Hill, uh, if he was healthy in October, I mean, he, when Rich Hill is healthy, he's a legit, you know, number one, two type guy. And so, you have, you know, Barrios Hill and, and Odorizzi, um, it's a, a pretty solid rotation. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly disappointing for Twins fans who've waited for a long time for the team to, to really go for it. Um, like they, like they have this year and, and, uh, you know, if there's not a season, it's it's going to be a, a tough blow for, for Twins fans. But
1: um, yeah. If, yeah, if there is, though, if there is, though, like I think like this would be like the ideal like situation for a person like Rich Hill, right? Like you have to make yeah. maybe 10, 15 starts or like versus, you know, 25 or something like that. Yeah. You know, so it's like the, you know, I think it's going to be ideal for certain pitchers that are sort of, you know, past their prime and, and, and sort of like a little bit more crappy at this point. Um, and, but I, I hope there's a season, man. Like, I hope there's some sort of a season just so we can have, um, some sanity back in, in this game and in, in our
0: livelihood. For sure. And yeah. guys like Nelson Cruz too. I mean, I think he would benefit from a hundred game season, mm. you know, just, you know, during 40 and, you know, maybe, uh, maybe what the twins need to get over the hump against the Yankees is, uh, to play him in an empty, empty stadium, you exactly. know, exactly. But Maybe, no maybe
1: that's like, could you imagine that? Like, that would be like the because, like, what I don't, what what happens to them in Yankee Stadium? They just like turn mental,
0: like do they get in their own head. It, it yeah. I mean, there are a lot of different theories on it. They they've set the all time record now for most consecutive uh, playoff losses, and all of those have come against the Yankees. Except uh, there were th- there there were three against the A's. They got swept in. 06, the 06 ALDS against the A's, uh, but other than that, they've all come against the Yankees, and um, yeah, it sure seems like that. Definitely during Rod Gardenhier's tenure, um, there were stories about, uh, you know, that he he would get really amped up and, and maybe have a lot of nervous energy going into those series, and that that potentially rubbed off on the players. Yeah. Um, there have been players that have come out, at, at Torrey Hunter and uh, Michael Kadire, I think, came out Um a couple of years ago and said that that some of the players were were a little bit nervous or scared to, to play in Yankee Stadium so um the, the whole narrative last year was that you know that was in the past and uh this is a, a new group of guys and um and that's I mean it was a new group of guys but it was the same results you know they yeah. they looked totally overmatched after playing the Yankees really tough all season they looked really overmatched at Yankee Stadium and uh uh and and even the the one game at Target Field um you know that the, the offense just went completely silent so
2: yeah. Uh, yeah
0: i don't know what it is i don't know what it is but it is a a very strange phenomenon um their record in the regular season against the yankees too is like unbelievably bad so uh they haven't won a season series against new york since i think 2001
2: really?
0: um, yeah and uh yeah they they've got they've been eliminated five seasons i believe yeah 2003 2004 09. 10, 17, and 19. So six seasons, uh, they've been eliminated by the Yankees in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, yeah it, it's a weird thing. It gets I don't know if you've ever, like, been there.
1: Like, I was, like, the first time I've, I ever been there as a reporter was, like, it was obviously when the, when the A's played them this season. But, like, I had never been to, like, so a postseason game there, I guess. And I went there when they played them for that wild card game. And, like, everybody used to tell me, like, dude, like, it gets wild there. And like it was like three hours before the game, and it was like it was like holy crap! Like even like you saw the A's players walk out to like the uh to to like the to the bullpen, and like it was like three hours before the game, the fans are there like heckling them, like and like their eyes were just like like yeah. just like oh my god, like what's going on? And then I remember that when Aaron Judge hit that first inning homer, it was like so loud. I'm like this, it's sad. that's it. This game is over. Like it's it's done. Like, it's, there's no way they can come back from this because it is just not, like, the worst possible thing that could happen, like, in that, in that, in that instance. So I definitely can see it getting loud. But, man, like, the Twins, man, like, they're, they're too good for this, man. Like, it's not like a – I mean, the way they were running – I mean, they came to Fenway last year, and I was like, gee, Like, yeah. this team is, like, putting the Red Sox in a body bag. Like, it's like just, it just one through nine. They just, they're just so deep. And you add Donaldson to that mix, man. They gotta figure out some way to get over that home. Maybe this year's the year with no fans, like you said. Yeah, yeah.
0: We'll see. It'll be interesting. Um yeah. I, I I wanna get your perspective on uh on the Mookie Betts trade uh, that happened, the three way trade that happened in yeah. what was that, January, I guess. Um with with Betts uh, Mookie Betts going to the Dodgers and David Price going to the Dodgers, uh Kenta Maeda coming to the to the twins and, and Bruce Art <throat> Excuse me. Bruce Gratterall ended up going to the Dodgers when he was supposed to go to the Red Sox. Um, so that was covered from a Minnesota perspective uh, in a much different way than obviously you covered it in in Boston where, you know, the, the big name guys were were getting traded. But um, what was your perspective on, on that trade? And um, if you remember, it got held up, you know, but based on the medicals for, for Gratterall, the, the Red Sox, yeah. said that he had medical issues. Uh, and that was they were pretty heavily criticized for that because. um you know Gratterall pitched he pitched last year in September and he pitched in the playoffs and was perfectly healthy throwing 100 miles an hour obviously the Dodgers didn't have any issue uh with his medicals because they took him um uh, so what what was sort of your take or, or your view on, on how the Red Sox handled that and um and just sort of the 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 message they were giving to the media about that trade and about Gratterall and, and his medical situation yeah, yeah.
1: I remember, well, well, quick story. I remember I was, like, an hour from, like, I was going back to New York to see my parents, and the trade, and the, and the trade broke, and it was like, hey, uh, Mookie Betts just got traded. And I'm like, okay, cool, great. Uh, Boston texts me and says, there's a press conference tomorrow at 9 a.m. That, that you need to be there for. And, like, I'm an hour from New York. And I'm like, gosh, are you kidding me? So I had to turn around and go back, and I text the PR guy in the morning. I'm like, okay, when's the press conference? Like, sorry, no press conference today. So I'm sitting on, like, I'm, like, are you? I drove all the way back to Boston, no press conference. So, I, so, like, I'm sitting on ice for, like, the next, like, three days, right? And it's, like, hey, I have to get back to New York to drop my stuff off to my parents. Like, I had a whole bunch of stuff I had to drop off from before I went to spring training, and I was leaving for spring training that Saturday. That didn't, like, and, and my PR got said, like, okay, I don't know if this, I don't think it's going to happen at this point, you know, so you just go back and go home. Cool, I dropped my stuff off, came back. but and But, like, that just goes to show, like, all of us were on ice with this whole thing, right? And from the perspective of the Red Sox, like we didn't we didn't know that this like, like we didn't know what was going on, right? It was just like a the fact of the matter was like, okay, you get Gratterall, okay, you get I think Verdugo was he was involved in the first initial trade yeah. too, right? Yep. Yeah. So was Verdugo yeah. and Gratterall. and but now they're saying, okay, his medicals are dirty. I, but I, the the speculation was that like. The owners they they got they they didn't like the blowback they were getting because it was like a reliever versus right. anything so i think because like from my perspective it's like you knew what his medical records were before you know whatever so like now why does it have to be a situation where we're now going back and looking at this trade and saying like okay well no he has bad medical records like well you didn't know that like you didn't know he had uh two prior tommy johns or whatever he had like i remember i texted a um someone from the minnesota twins and i was like hey um, you know, what is, this, what is this guy, or not, excuse me, somebody from, the, um, from, from, uh, from a, a National League team, and I said, you know, what does this guy have from the time um, that, that what, what, what is this guy, what's this guy's deal? And he says, oh, he's had this, 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 to this. And he ran, like, his list of injuries. And this is a guy that's, like, kind of out the loop as a scout. Like, he's not even, he's not even really in the loop like that anymore. He's kind of like, oh, yeah, but, like, that's known. Like, this guy, yeah, he has, wow, what happened? I'm like, oh, well, the Red Sox just traded for him. He's like, oh, okay. And he's like, but now they're pulling out because they're saying that, like, you know, they, they don't necessarily like his medicals. They're like, I don't necessarily buy that. You know, so it was kind of like a thing where it's like, I didn't, I, I thought that, that, like, if you're going to trade for Mookie Betts, I was, I was thinking, like, maybe a Dustin May is going to come. Maybe, like, a, you know, somebody like that. But when I saw Gratterall, I was like, okay, that's 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 interesting. But, like, this is Mookie Betts, right? Right. That's, that's mainly what everybody else was saying was, like, So you got a guy with like now that has a bad back, right? And then you get, and then you're getting a guy with like with all this injury history that might be a starter, but you know he's more more so a reliever right now. So you got like a guy that's unproven with a bad back, and and a guy that's also had a history of injuries, but obviously has plus stuff, but he's a reliever. And so then that's what you got for back from Mookie Betts necessarily and David Price, you know, who still has some innings in him. If you like, you know, he still can. Give you four, five, six innings if he needs to, so i, I think I, I think the 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 general consensus around here is that they didn't like the trade you know they didn't like the like oh crap, maybe we should be getting more and you know I think in the beginning uh, uh the dodgers leased them unless <laughs> yeah. yeah. they went back and, and, and got something else out of it, but you know who knows what D- jeter downs and, and Connor Wong are going to be I think jeter's pro- probably a better prospect than connor, but At the same time, that's another guy who's been, you know, traded twice. You know, he started in Cincinnati, then got traded to the Dodgers, then got traded to, you know, then got traded to the Boston Red Sox. So, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see, but the whole Gratterall thing, man, it was just, it was really weird. And it's unfortunate for the players that that stuff got leaked out and, like, now you're sitting in limbo not knowing what to do. Are you going to, are you, you Mookie, are you going to L.A.? Are you going to Boston? Like, imagine a scenario, like, where he got traded and had to come back to spring training. Like, that would have been all bad um well that you know.
0: actually happened I mean Gratterall in the middle of that Gratterall was still hey. taking th- throwing bullpens you know wearing a twins hat you know in Fort Myers and wow you know, it, it, it's just that it, it that shouldn't happen you know that should that that's yeah, totally it not happen Flyer. it shouldn't happen and I, and I know the twins were upset that like thinking like
1: you know I don't know who leaked it um but I, I know the twins are definitely upset that it definitely did get leaked out like that but um I'll say I'll, I'll like it. It just it just the whole scenario, man. It just felt like the trade felt rushed. It's like why do you have to do this now? Like, if a guy like Mookie Betts wants to go to free agency, fine, let him go to free agency and then give him the most money. Like, why does that matter? You know what I mean? So I, I just I just felt like they like like Heim got the the order from ownership. Like, hey, you got we got to trade this guy, and you know, and, and and there's never been a guy that's been traded in his prime. Um, like I think. Uh, I read a ringer story where it's like this, it's like there's, there's no way that you can possibly spend this to make sure to, 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 to give like reason for this trade going down. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, there's no possible way that you can spend this to make it sound like they, like the Red Sox one got something good out of it. And two uh, traded Mookie Betts uh, for, for a reasonable decision. I mean, he's 28 years old going into, he's still in his prime and, you know all the analytics going his his way, all the accounting stats going his way. There's literally no way you can brush this to say like, okay, this trade makes sense. So I I, I don't know. I I just think from from day one it was a very much a um, it was a very much a decision that that Heim had to make, and they wanted it done before they got the spring training. So it might have been rushed a little bit.
0: Yeah. So so you because the narrative was basically that the that ownership read all the criticism of the trade and basically yeah. went to Haim and said, you need to do, you need to get more. Um, yeah. so, so you, you think that there's some, some truth to that, that, that this was an ownership initiative basically saying this isn't enough. And, and you essentially use this excuse of Graterol's medicals as a reason to, to back out of the trade. I, I,
1: I think, I mean, nobody told me that, but like, I I do think that there there is some legitimacy to that. I think there are some, obviously some some situations where you're looking at um, that, and because the blowback was it was bad, man. Yeah. It was bad. It was it was and it was out there. It was like, this is all they got. Like this is all you get from Mookie Betts and David Price. Like like what what are, what's happening here? And I but I just think it was a situation where it's like Heim was put in a bad spot. He was put he was, he was, he came in here to. To, to shed payroll um, and, and sort of revamp their whole minor league system. Cause if you remember their minor league system was gutted when they traded for, um, when they, when they signed JD Martinez and Chris Dale and the Chris Dale trade they, they, the, the white South got Moncada they got a, uh, they got Kopech, uh, mm-hmm. Michael Kopech. Um, and th- those are two top arms. That's a, that's a bat and an arm outside their system. So like their minor league system was gutted and granted they won a championship, so you can't really get mad at them for that. Um, right. Dave Zembrowski came in and did what he had to do. So when, when it was time for, like, they felt like he's, you know, out like he, he outdid his time and he, he brought them what they wanted. They, they got high and it's like, okay, this is more of a guy that probably thinks more about minor league guys, revamping, finding, finding wins within the margins. So we know he can shake payroll and be creative with it. So, but if you have that coupled with the fact of, okay, let's trade this guy, let's trade this guy who's this, probably the second best player in the game behind Mike Trout. Um, uh, just off the bat, I mean, you're, you're probably going to make a decision that's like, okay, I have to do this, so this is probably the best we can get because I have to do this, you know? Because right. so, cause the thought was that Mookie was gone. Like, like that started happening, and those, those rumors really started happening, like, toward the trade deadline last year, because you remember I, well, there was a report out there that said Dave Dombrowski tried to, you know, ended, got, got interested in tra- probably trying to trade Mookie, but then they started, went on that little win streak uh, where I think they beat the Yankees like three out of four or something like that. And Dave Brown says, okay, let's, let's stop all these talks. But that, so that's, that's been out there, man. That's been out there. And, 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 and Mookie never said he didn't want to be in Boston. All he said was that he wanted to, he wanted to get the free agency. And, you know, the Red Sox took that, I think, as him maybe not wanting to return to
0: Boston, which I don't think is entirely true. Mm-hmm. During that whole GM search, uh, when they, when they ended up getting Bloom, um, there were a lot of potential candidates and, and one of the names that was circulating was Derek Falby, um, the the president of baseball ops for for the twins. Obviously he's a local guy. He grew up in Lynn, uh, you know, grew up a big Red Sox fan. Um I, when I when that when they fired Dombrowski, that was my first thought is they're gonna go after Falby because he's Falby's yeah. been so successful in Minnesota and, and he's local and he's young and he's good at developing pitching in particular. Um and he got a he got a nice Pay raise out of that, and I don't know if that was uh, because the Red Sox were involved in trying to get him, or if it was separate. But did you hear any steam about Derek Falvey uh, and the Red Sox uh, wanting him uh, or, or viewing him as a candidate for that job?
1: Yeah, him, both him and um, and Mike Hazen from the from the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, were, yeah. and that's where I think we're, we're we're candidates. And obviously, if you have that type of you have that type of pedigree and you have that type of longevity, I think that's that's that that's. that's the being with the Red Sox is I'd probably see the ideal situation if you want if you're from Boston. Now, I also 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 did hear that like you know GMs and scouts and I mean no GMs excuse me and, and and other people were like hiding under trunks because it's like you come to Boston like they've been through Epstein, they've been through Sherrington, they've been through Dave Dombrowski. Like you're probably gonna get fired at some point. Yes. Right? Like, so I was looking at the situation, like, I was like, man, why wouldn't Billy Bean ever go to Boston? And it's like, oh, well, he doesn't want to win. It's like, no, like, if you have job stability, like, that's probably more important than being here for four years and, and maybe winning a World Series and then getting canned. Like, they have a reputation for doing that. So, yeah. um, yeah. so obviously, you know, you know like, you would know more about Fabi than I would, but I think, I think you know, the, the, his pedigree speaks for itself. Mike Hazen's pedigree speaks for itself. Mike Hazen came up through – um through the red sox you know organization when he was first um getting started as a as an executive in this business so um it's a it's a it, it, it from the outside looking in like it, it looked like a uh a, 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 like a an easy not an easy job but like the ideal job but then once you start going through the, the amount of people that have been fired there it's like you know good for him good for falby he took his extent, he took the pay raise and stayed in minnesota where Know there's at least a little bit more comfortability there, but oh, yeah. Um, I think th- I think I think that 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 just just working and, and being in this market is is tough, man, and sometimes can turn toxic, you know, to a certain extent. Um, so, uh, you know, that 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 job might be around who knows in four or five years. Yeah, you know? I, I like time, I like time, he's a great guy and all that stuff, but that just seems to be, um, for, from judging from history, it just seems to be like they they wear thin on you for some reason. It's just it's like, cause you know, I know, I know the, the the Pablo Sandoval thing was probably what did, did, uh, Sherrington in, and like the, you know, the, the, uh, the sale extension now, I guess, but it made sense back then. And then you didn't need to have all the Evaldi extension. That was a little weird to me. Um, that kind mm-hmm. of was what did, what did, uh, uh, I think Dombrowski in too, but like you, ownership signed off on that. So, right.
0: Right and who you know, who signed Rusney Castillo? Who was the GM? For that? Oh, that was, yeah,
1: that was Sherrington yeah. too. Yeah, that one did. Yeah. That one did. That yeah. guy's getting paid. He's, yeah, he's making seventy million in
0: the minors hasn't even hasn't even been called up. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, it's it's crazy. I mean, if you look at Dombrowski, I mean, won a World Series in eighteen and got fired in what August of 19? nineteen? Nineteen. Crazy.
1: Yeah, it was it was wild. It was like yeah, like I remember that night they had just. Got ran off the field by the Yankees. The the PR guy with Kevin Grier was taking a long time to get off, like get to the to the room, to the press room, and he came finally came in and said, uh, "General Manager uh, Dave, B- head of baseball operations, David Broussard has been fired. Alex Corps is going to here to you take your questions, but he's not going to talk about that." We're like, "Wait, what? What the <laughs> hell is going on?" So, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. I mean, I mean, but like, I, like, like, fou- like all these younger guys, I think, are are doing a better job of merging. Um, analytics and, and player development. I think Heim's one of those guys. I think Sabi's one of those guys. I think Cashman has done a great job of, of being able to develop and 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 uh, find guys, find guys, and add depth. It's amazing how many games that team won, um, just just from just and all they had all those injuries, you mm-hmm. know. So I think we're looking at a situation now where like that's a new wave of a GM. It's not like these linear approaches. It's like, okay, you need pitching. Okay, I'm going to go get Chris Sale. Okay, you need pitching. I'm going to go, oh, you need a hitter. Okay, I'm going to go get J.D. Martinez. It's like, how do we develop these guys um, and how do we add depth um, to everything? And I think Falvey, Haim, uh, uh even David Forrest and, and, and Billy Bean in, in in Oakland, they do a great job. Tampa does a great job at that. Um, all these teams across the board are just starting to get a little bit smarter in terms of the way they view uh players and, and 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 the longevity those players can give them so good for falby for taking that that money man because who knows what he's been like in four years but <laughs>
0: yeah and it'll be interesting to see if uh if rocco baldelli is a candidate eventually for the for the managerial job because he's obviously local as well right. in rhode island and um you know manager of the year last year has done a, a good job with minnesota so i i do <laughs> wonder um if eventually he'll uh be a candidate and, and potentially move to Boston. But that's just speculation. Um, but I do want to ask you about the difference. So you, you covered the A's uh, for The Athletic and then came over to The Globe in the middle of the season, right, last year? Yeah. 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 Um, and, and Minnesota is definitely a, a, a media climate that's much closer to Oakland than, than to Boston. Um, what are some of the differences that you've observed between a small market uh, you know, franchise and, and media market. I mean, I guess San Francisco is a big media market, but covering a small market yeah. team uh, versus uh, a big market team like Boston.
1: It's, it's just so much more, um, like, relaxed when you go into work every day, right? Yeah. It's like, I remember I would go to Oakland. It would be me, uh, Jane, uh, Susan, and Martin Gallegos, who covers the, the, them for MLB.com now, um, before Jane left but i and it, it could be four of us you know on a on any given day, maybe five, six if you include like like a nBC sports or something like that, and maybe one more TV camera um, but Boston it's like twenty it's like forty people in a clubhouse every day, right so it's like you kind of have to get used to that like hustle and bustle of like of of just being in a very very big sports media market. I mean, I, I look at Boston and I'm saying like from a sports perspective, like New York might be number one in terms of, I guess, media market in terms of just everything. But like, if you're just looking strictly at sports, like Boston might be like a, a number one sports market. You got the Bruins, you have the Celtics where like the Bruins are good. The Celtics are good. The, uh, the, uh, um, the Patriots are good. And who knows? Will they'll be, be without Brady this year. Um, the Red Sox are good. Like you have all these different teams in this market. That are great teams and then you have you have all this media attention to around, around them um i remember like the 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 pr guy told me that uh when mookie walked into even the la dodgers clubhouse and he looked at the pr guy and said this is it like yeah. He was like, yeah pretty much like you know he's like wow oh wow like he's like shocked by it because he grew up in an environment that was um completely different in oakland i remember you know billy bean used to bring his dog to the park and have his dog like running around the field with another one of the ground crew guys all dog, dogs playing and like that's something you would never ever ever see in boston and so it's like a lot more it's a lot more corporate here it's a lot more serious um the fans are are, are nuts like you get emails all the time like you can't look the comments of your stories because they're like they're they're toxic comments a lot of times more good than bad so i think you're looking at a situation like boston where it's it's just. It's completely different. I had to, and, I, and I'm granted I'm from New York, so I'm more I'm used to, um, you know, people being a little rude,r you know, people being a little bit more acting like you're not there and kind of being short with you. So like that's fine with me. That wasn't necessarily an adjustment, but like the work environment certainly was an adjustment, just in terms of just being able to get stuff and access. Access is, is harder here. Um, yeah. Players aren't in the clubhouse as much, um, so you have to get them. I mean, coming off the field for BP, because in, in the clubhouse, you know, if one person comes, you know, then it'll be the next person and the next person, next person. So they hide. Um, you know, and, and you know, and it's unfortunate that they do that, but it is, and it's frustrating at times. If you have to write a notebook. Because um, when I was at the Athletic, I didn't have to write notebooks or anything like that. I just wrote, you know, stuff, maybe something that may have happened in the game. Maybe I'm preparing something for the next day. But like, no, like the Globe has a readership that's, um uh, uh, an avid readership of, of fans who love who love that type of stuff who love updates and all that stuff so you, there's a there's a requirement that you have to do that type of stuff and it's an expectation so but it's it's kind of hard getting that when the where the when the access isn't as good because you know players are hiding out so you have to grind a little bit a little bit more for it, and just try to and, and know that nothing's really going to come easy on any given day and that's why what makes that that's what makes being on the road that much more important i think um, because on the road that's when you get the best stuff and you know it goes from being 40 people on the road to maybe seven or eight but yeah. in oakland but in oakland that that seven or eight would be one like you know right. what i mean like right right so so um but it, it, it's it's completely different man it's it's a completely different animal but I, I i enjoy it i enjoy being in this market it makes me feel like i'm closer to home a little bit more and i like the competitive nature of it all and um, you know, it's, it's, it's every man for himself, but we're lucky at the globe that we have, you know, we're pretty stacked on that. And like, you know, we have Alex Spear there who's, who's awesome. He's, I think he's one of the best baseball writers in the country. If you ask me, uh, we have Pete Abraham. We have me, we have, you know, Dan Shaughnessy who can fill in at times. And, um, uh, Chris Gasper who actually just left for a job for channel five, but he was the guy that filled in Julian Bimbo, Like we have stacked to ourselves in. like, there's so many people that, that, that uh, help with the globe coverage, and have helped me in my transition. Um, that if they weren't here, I don't know what I would do. Just, just walking in like with like, you know, like a puppy with his, his tail between his legs, almost.
0: Yeah, I, I remember um, covering that series. You mentioned that series against the Twins last September um, when the Twins kind of took it to Boston, and um, especially that first game because it was Baldelli's first time in in Boston as a manager. And uh, you know, the visiting clubhouse obviously at Fenway is tiny. Like, it's like a high school, it's like a high school locker room, it's it, crazy, and there was so much media in there, yeah. like, we were literally standing, like, shoulder to shoulder, like, you couldn't move, you know, and you're, like, running into players, and, like, you know, like, every, like, it was, it was just insane, and it just, it gave, you know, I, I obviously, I cover the Twin series every year, um, when they're at Fenway, but that series in particular, because of Baldelli, and because of how good the Twins were, it was just, there was so much media, you couldn't, there was nowhere to go, like, you, you couldn't, even walk around the clubhouse. And um, when I compare that to, you know, covering whether it's covering a game at target target field or on the road um, where, you know, there are only three or four traveling beat writers at most in the Minnesota market. Mm-hmm. It's just like you said, it's a totally different animal. And um, yeah, I can imagine it's much more difficult to get access and build relationships with players in a city like Boston or market like Boston compared to, to Oakland or, or Minnesota. So, yeah. And, and
1: I think, I think a lot of times too, it's like, you have to it, like the players are afraid of getting burned here more than anything right, right? like you say something here it travels and, you know it, it, i think that's the main thing is like you know like i'm not i'm not a guy that's trying to like you have to kind of prove yourself that you're not that type of person that's going to come up there and burn them or something like that so there's a I, and i know players are already like cautious of media and stuff like that but like here's just another layer because and and, and i think a lot of times like it, like the the one thing to my me is like, don't ever listen to sports talk radio here. Like, yeah, don't do it. And, and cause it's just, it's toxic as hell, but like, and they put you in. And, and so the, the, the players, if they hear something on the radio, a lot of times they, they put you into that mix. Like, Oh, well you guys said this about me. Yada, yada, yada. Say, like, well, oh, I yeah. didn't say that. That's talk radio. That's just talking heads that aren't even here in the ballpark. Like right. I'm here every day. So it's like, I don't necessarily think players understand what your description of your job is in, in essentially in a ways. And it's like, here it's even tougher than for them to see, like for them to see through that and, and see what your job actually is. Because they think I'm this regular Joe Schmo on the radio who gets paid, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to crit- be critical of Tom Brady eating hummus. Like, right. Right. Or something <laughs> like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's not yeah. my job. I'm not doing that. Like, yeah, I'm not here to troll you. And like, They hear that. And like, Oh, well you, you know, and then a lot of times it's like, oh, a friend sends it, or a, a fiance sends it, or a wife sends it. It's like, did you know they're saying this about you? And you get lumped in with them. Like, I'm not talking to the media, and it's like, dude, like I'm not that person. So that's another that's another thing that you have to try to navigate here for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, it's a it's a fascinating dynamic and a fascinating place to to cover sports. Um, yeah. So yeah, this this was a great conversation. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, joining. And um, where can people follow you on? Twitter, Instagram, etc.
1: Uh, my um Twitter is at was by Julian Mac, J U L I A N Mac M A C K, and then my um yeah, that's, that's the main one I use, just Twitter mainly. Okay, I'm not I'm not I'm not that, I'm not in, that interesting. If you want uh, Julian Mac 105 on, on on Instagram, but I'm not that interesting. I'm just like a person who scrolls and I, people watch on Twitter. I mean on yeah. Instagram. <laughs>
0: you're you're a lurker. You're a lurker.
1: I'm a lurker. I'm yeah. a lurker.
0: all right well thanks a lot man i appreciate it and uh yeah stay safe hey you too man thank you Planning to buy a new boat this year? Glenn Perkins here for my friends at Nelson Marine. The Nelson Marine difference is about customer service and a knowledgeable team of sales and service pros. Two large showrooms filled with an impressive inventory of the best brands in the business. London Crestliner fishing boats, South Bay pontoons powered by Yamaha, Suzuki, Mercury, and Evinrude. Nelson Marine has been creating happy customers for 75 years. Visit their showroom on Highway 61 in White Bear Lake online at nelsonmarine.biz. To be your best
2: every day.